Life Podcast is what you are now tuned into. Let's get it. Let's go. It's your boy Hardball Hard. Thank y'all for tuning in to the Hard Knocks Life. Thank you for the support. And continue to follow me at Hardball Hard on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you follow at Hard Knocks on all the social media platforms. And I also want to give a special shout out. Make sure you go follow Stories Inside the Man Cave. We've been having a good time over there. Make sure you look, look for all episodes. We just had a special one with the former head coach of the Texas State Bobcats. Baseball season is right upon us. Make sure you also be on the lookout every Wednesday for the Hard, real hardball talk with Ty Harrington. That's going to be a feature every week. We're going to preview baseball, uh, the Sunbelt Conference, the Big 12, and around the nation. But I, right now, let's just get into it. You know, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Texas Longhorns. I want to talk to you a little bit about what's going on on the 40 acres. Strictly going to make this about basketball. I know we talk a lot of, of college uh, football. And we're going to continue to do so. But I got I got a lot on my mind when it comes to this basketball team and this basketball game. And I'm going to get into it in just a second. But we're also going to talk about the NFL honors, uh, the awards that came out yesterday for the uh, uh, NFL and the, and the players that were recognized to going into the Hall of Fame. We got a lot going on. Oh, yeah. And there's just a game that happens to be played today. It's called. The Super Bowl, Tom Brady going to his 10th Super Bowl, trying to get his seventh ring. And the Kansas City Chiefs trying to go back-to-back. The last team to win back-to-back championships was Tom Brady and his New England Patriots uh, were the last team to be able to do so. So my my whole weekend was uh, pretty busy. Um, My son plays soccer. I told you that for Austin FC. and. We went to San Antonio playing the game and, and it was fun and kids had a lot of fun, but my mind was up in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Obviously I'm there to support my son, but we're all in this household. We're all Longhorn fans. So we're, we pay close attention. And as I told you before, I am vested into this Longhorn basketball team. Me and a couple of buddies put a ticket together that this was going to be a team that we could see cutting down the nets. And that was before the season even started. They were at 75 to one when we got that ticket. And now I'm trying to figure out if somebody wants to buy that ticket. And you're like, what hard you giving up on this team? I'm not giving up on the team per se, because a lot can happen from now as we speak today until they make a run in the NCAA tournament. But as I say that a lot has to change as this team moves forward. Let me just let you know, uh, this right here is a problem for me. And the reason why this is a problem for me, let's just look at the last, Texas, let's break down Texas's record, okay? Texas is now 11 and five on the season. They're five and four in conference play, losing three in a row. And they have lost four of their last five. They're not trending in the right direction. And the one game that they have won during this stretch is they beat K-State. 
Now, K-State is a team that is going to uh, – Texas is going to play K-State on Tuesday. K-State is struggling this year. But when you go to Manhattan and the way that this team, this Texas basketball team, has been performing, you cannot assume any game was going to be a win. The next uh, few games, Texas is going to be on the road for the next three of their last four. I mean, their next four. They're going to take on K, KSU, K-State. Tuesday, Super Tuesday, then they're back home to TCU. You know Jamie Dixon is no pushover, and that TCU basketball team will come in for a fight. And then they go to Oklahoma. You've seen what Oklahoma has done lately. They have moved themselves up, and they have done pretty well for themselves. They jumped into the top ten at one point. Excuse me, I had to take some water. Goodness gracious. Um and then you play Iowa State. Iowa State's not been a great basketball team, but let's get into this Texas basketball team and how they have not been playing. I've told you before, when it comes to tournament play, your guard play has to be better, period, point blank. There's no way Courtney Ramey, uh, Andrew Jones, and Matthew Coleman, leaders of this basketball team can continue to downslide on the way that they are playing. My man, Courtney Ramey looked lost yesterday. He did not look himself. And you can say, well, he went eight of eight from the free throw line. Texas missed. Okay. Let me break it down. Texas missed 39 shots yesterday. 39 shots. What? You missed 39 shots. Okay. Let's, let's continue to do that. Oh, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. That is not even close to being true. The Texas basketball team was so awful yesterday. So awful. They were 20 of 79. Excuse me. That is awful. That is, that is terrible. They were 5 of 35 from three-point line. 5 of 35 from three-point line. That is 14%. You know how bad it was in overtime? Somehow this game went to overtime. They were 0 of 12 in overtime, 0 of 7 from 3. And they 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 were still in the game. They were still in the game. Texas, excuse me. Texas missed 59 shots, not 39. Texas missed 59. 39 might have been in the first half. I don't know. And they were still in this game and they pushed it to overtime. You can't go 5 of 35 in 0 of 7. Andrew Jones was 2 of 13 from three-point line. Matthew Coleman, 0 of 7. Courtney Ramey, 1 of, three, 1 of 6, and he had the nerve to pose when he left his hand up there. Guys, your guard play cannot be that bad. Cannot be. Andrew Jones, 5 of 20 from the field. Matthew Coleman, 3 of 14. Courtney Ramey, 2 of 15. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The bright spot was Texas shot free throws well. They were 22 of 27. They have been struggling from the free throw line. I'm not, I mean, that was a sign of improvement. Thank you. But the rest of this, you had 21 turnovers 
And now people are going to say, well, go look at what Oklahoma State is doing. Look at, look at their record. Look at, look at how they're struggling. I don't care about what other teams are doing on the basketball court. I care about what Texas is doing. I care about the fact that this is a team that everyone thought athleticism-wise had a chance to put the put something in the Raptors, okay? Put something up there. But as I sit and I watch this team, there's no flow on offense. They're over-aggressive on defense. And what I, what I mean by over-aggressive, they're getting fouls so far away from the basket that it doesn't even make sense. And they continue to make careless turnovers at inopportune times. And you can't do that if you're a senior, uh, redshirt, sophomore, junior, whatever you are. You've played enough basketball and you've been around the game long enough that those mistakes that you are making at crucial times cannot happen from your leaders. It just can't happen. And it's frustrating because the mismatches that they continue to get caught up in, they have not made an adjustment. Can someone please tell me why Texas can't make other teams shoot from the outside? All their points are in the paint. They, they you know, Baylor was a different story. Baylor's a totally different animal. They can get wherever they want. But other teams within this conference, Texas is just letting them have their ways in the lane. It makes zero sense to me. I mean, they shot, I told you that Texas went 5 of 35 from three-point line, 14%. You know how many three-pointers Oklahoma State took? 13. And they shot 38.5% from there. The, the, the basketball IQ on some of these players is getting to the point now where I'm getting very frustrated. I told you before, my son played for a coach that broke down every single – I'm talking about the scouting report was pristine. You knew every single thing that other teams were going to do. Now, if you won those games, great. If you lost those games, tough. But you were never outcoached, and you were never out-informed. He had you, the scouting report, to tendencies, everything. I applaud Chris Reisman for the work and Coach Lon Reisman for the work that they did preparing. So I pay attention to so many different things in the basketball. Am I a basketball aficionado? No. Am I the one that you need to call for everything about basketball? Absolutely not. But my eyes tell me everything I need to know. There's no rhythm or rhyme to the things that we're doing. We have some unbelievable athlete talent for talent wise for every team across the Big 12 and some across the country. Texas, man for man, is just as talented as the next team. They, whoever they're playing, Texas has, you want to watch Texas because look at their athleticism. It's execution and the lack thereof that Texas is falling behind on. It is frustrating as all get out that we have to continue to have this conversation this late in the season where teams need to be trending up, not trending down.
Let me break this down for you again. If Brock Cunningham didn't play the way that he played yesterday, and let's not talk about the inbound play right underneath the basket, and I'm still trying to figure out why Matt Coleman was so far away for Brock Cunningham to throw him the ball that Brock felt like he had to try to throw the ball over Kay Cunningham, who's got a seven foot two wingspan underneath the basket when Matt Coleman should have been on the same side where he could get the ball in. It made zero sense to me. I don't know. I know they're trying to get a shot off, but you don't get a shot off throwing it all the way across the court where a guy can't even get the ball across the court. Now, I can't remember because I was at my son's game, so I was looking back and forth, but I was trying to figure out was that after a made basket that Texas called the timeout? Because if it was, then Brock Cunningham should have ran the baseline, and maybe that was the play call. I don't know for sure. I have to go back and watch the film. But you you, you can't let that happen. That cannot happen. In Texas, uh, I'm just going to say it, they pissed away a game that they should have won, and they should be – moving in the right direction. I don't know what Shaka's got in store for this team, but they have to make the adjustments and they have to make it now because I am about to sell my stock on this basketball team if they don't start transitioning to the the way of the, the what we saw earlier. They were opening up the floor. They were getting up and down. They were executing their offense. They were feeding the ball. They were working the ball in towards out. Now it's like they're trying to shoot it and hope that somebody will go get a rebound. Greg Brown's been getting a rebound. I mean, he had 10 rebounds in the game again. Brock Cunningham coming off the bench. He came in and got 10 rebounds. But other than that, I mean, you know, Kai, Kai Jones is another guy, nine rebounds, 11 points. But I mean, he was four of six from the free throw line. And again, these guys did do better on the free throw line. But we got to get playmakers the ball. And if you're struggling, guys, if you're struggling from three, two of 13, 0 of seven, one of six, start getting in the paint. Start attacking the rim. I mean, these player, these plus minuses, there weren't very many people that had plus by their name. This basketball team lost yesterday 70. 576 in Stillwater. And my one word to describe this game was awful. And the thing about it is they still went to overtime and they could have won the game. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That just goes to show you that if they execute a little bit, the game is over. They win the game and we're not even talking about any of this stuff. Again, I told you it's Super Bowl Sunday. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. It's Super Bowl Sunday, and everyone keeps asking me, Harge, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? I want to get into the NFL honors real quick on, on some of the, the awards that was given out yesterday. And we also got a new Hall of Fame class. And I'm so excited about our Hall of Fame class because, you know, we got a Dallas Cowboy in there. Know what I'm talking about? Know what I'm talking about? Let me run through these awards that was given away last night. Um, everything was done virtually, and it's a little bit different. There were some players that were, I think, they was ha- were given the awards in L.A., and now it's it's all changed because of COVID and it's a rough time out there, and everybody still needs to be safe and continue to uh, move forward. But the NFL honors gave away the MVP, the defensive MVP, the comeback player of the year, and the Walter Payton man of the year. And 
um, I was excited to see all the awards that were given out because Aaron Rodgers, we all knew that that was going to be the guy. He was going to be the one who who uh, won the award and it was his to lose. And he was actually supposed to beat Tom Brady to be in the Super Bowl. So Aaron Rodgers is named the MVP of the league. And Josh Allen got more votes than Patrick Mahomes, which I think is ridiculous. But, you know, that's just me. Josh Allen's had a great year. but And I, 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 I was on that Buffalo ride with him. But come on, man. He ain't better than Patrick Mahomes, nor will he ever be. So the offensive player of the year was named Patrick Mahomes. The MVP was named Aaron Rodgers. The defensive player of the year was Aaron Donald. My man had 13 sacks, and people are like, man, they should have gave it to T.J. Watt, T.J. Watt. You know, you do realize that Aaron Donald, the things that he does, he's doing from the defensive tackle position. He's not an edge rusher. He had 13 and a half sacks, and he was getting triple teamed every time you looked at him. The NFL comeback player of the year, no doubt about this. The only problem was it was not unanimous. Some jack leg picked uh, Ben Roethlisberger as their comeback player of the year. The fact that Aaron, uh, Alex Smith could even walk and be on the field, that was comeback player of the year for me just by even being in there. They went 5-1 and one in games that he started. Come on, man. Rookie of the year, Justin Jefferson, Texas Longhorn fans. I know you saw that. He was amazing in the NFL, but it was even more impressive when we got to see him when he was at um, LSU when they came to play Texas. Coordinator of the year, Eric Public Enemy. Let me just tell you, this guy should be a head coach in the NFL, and it's ridiculous that he has not been named that, but he was named co uh, coordinator of the year because of that Chiefs kingdom and, and the way that Patrick Mahomes and that offense is running. Coach of the year was Kevin Stefanski. Okay, whatever. Um, Cleveland Brown. Cleveland, he won it for you. Congratulations. That's what it's all about. You look around and you also look at the executive of the year, Brandon Bean of the Buffalo Bills. We just told you Bills Nation was unbelievable. I mean, excuse me, Bills Mafia was unbelievable this year. They made some big moves during the offseason. And they ended up getting to the uh, playoffs and putting pressure on Patrick Mahomes and his crew. And the the award that means the most to a lot of players, and I know it means a lot to my son, is the fact that the Walter Payton Man of the Year went to Russell Wilson. We've talked about Russell Wilson numerous times throughout the years, how well he uh, – he works with others, the way he feels. I mean, this guy is unbelievable that he is the way that he is and continues to face adversity. Seattle, you're lucky to have him. I'm thankful because if my son is going to look up to somebody besides myself, he looks up to Russell Wilson and the things that he does. We were watching last night when he got his award, and it was it was amazing that – that is what happens, and he, congratulations to him because that's a big, big honor to be named the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Now, the uh, NFL Hall of Fame, this is a great class. You know, Charles Woodson uh, from the Raiders and Green Bay Packers, Peyton Manning headlines this, this uh, group of guys that are going in. 
Peyton Manning will be into, inducted in the Hall of Fame. Calvin Johnson, Megatron, will also be inducted. Alan Fanica, John Lynch, Tom Flores as a coach. Uh, and, you know, he was the first um, coach of color in the NFL. And he did a great job. He's got the second highest winning percentage right behind Vince Lombardi. Think about that. And he's just now getting into the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame, y'all need to change some of your stuff. I know Goose Gosselin works very, very hard and tires tirelessly to get guys into the Hall of Fame that are more than deserving. And I'll speak on that in just a second. Uh, Billy Dunn was uh, inducted from the Steelers. He was a contributor. And last but not least, 1970s all-decade team. My man, I call him Mr. Cowboy, Drew Pearson. We've heard Drew Pearson at the NFL draft when he was in Philadelphia, and he told him that he told Philly fans, thank you for making my career so great because of the battles that he would have with them. Then you sit and you say, what else? What else? Drew Pearson had an emotional, emotional speech. He was so heartbroken when he didn't get in in the 2020 class that it sent shockwaves around the 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 football world because this guy was part of the all-decade team and he was not in the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? The worst thing – I mean, excuse me, not the Super Bowl, but the Hall of Fame. They, they called the Hail Mary after he and Roger Staubach defeated Minnesota with a long pass down the sideline, right sideline, and he just threw it up and Drew went and made a play, and that's how we came up with the Hail Mary. He is finally in the Hall of Fame, number 88, Drew Pearson, from went to Tulsa, and now he's got a chance to be immortalized for the rest of his life in the Hall of Fame, and I'm so, so excited for Drew Pearson. Congratulations, my friend. As a Dallas Cowboy fan, I can't tell you how excited I am for him. No, I'm just kidding. But I want to get into the game a little bit. Everybody keeps talking about this game, Tom Brady. Going to his 10th Super Bowl, as I said before, he's going to have his opportunity to get his seventh Super Bowl ring, which is just totally crazy. You got Patrick Mahomes, the young up-and-comer, who's coming to chase the GOAT. And everyone's been talking about that banged-up offensive line for, for Kansas City and that D-line with uh, JPP coming, Vita Vea. Uh, who else you got over there? Shaq Barrett. Those guys are coming after the quarterback. But the one thing that people keep forgetting, how do you beat teams that keep rushing like that? How do you make that happen? You throw slip screens. You throw a quarterback. I mean, not quarterback, but you got draws that you can run to slow that pass rush down. You know what else you do? You move your pocket. You don't sit in the pocket like they did with Aaron Rodgers, where he just stood in the pocket and they could just go after him. You roll your quarterback. And who's up, who's better? Then Patrick Mahomes, former shortstop, by the way, former uh, baseball player who played right here at Austin, Texas at the Dale Diamond for a state championship. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You move him out of the pocket and get him on the run so he can make plays on the run. That's how you slow down that rush. And, you know, and Damakang Su, I know he's going to probably have an impact. He always shows up on the big money games, but I believe that the way that you beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is you move the pocket, you throw screens, and good things can happen 
for Patrick Mahomes and, and that defense. We've got some guys that are going to be playing in the Super Bowl that are so excited to be here, like Antonio Brown for Tampa Bay and Le'Veon Bell for Kansas City that are former Steelers, that we're sitting here saying, what in the world is happening? These guys get away. We've been making fun of them, how they try to make themselves out of there. And now all of a sudden, boom, there they go. So my prediction for the Super Bowl game is this game is going to come down to the wire. I believe the line is three and a half. Uh, Kansas City is favored, and they should be. Tampa's playing at home, I know, but there's not really a home field advantage uh, being being really thrown out there because it's the Super Bowl, corporate sponsors. There's not going to be a lot of fans for either team in there. So my prediction is this game is going to be tight all the way through. Don't turn the channel because both quarterbacks can lead them back to victory. They can, they've done a lot of cope come from behind games. And I believe that Kansas city chiefs will win this game 34 30 and everybody's happy except for Tampa Bay. Patrick Mahomes gets MVP. Andy Reid can go deal with all the stuff that's happening with his kids prayers. I mean, with his son prayers to the kids that were injured in that car accident earlier this week. But I believe the Kansas City Chiefs win 34-30, another exciting Super Bowl uh, game. And let me just say this. I enjoy this matchup even more because it's the OG versus the young pup. And the young pup, sometimes you, you worry about them. But I think the way Patrick Mahomes' mindset is, I believe the way that he is looking at this as his opportunity to take this mantle. And I believe you got – Coach uh, Coordinator of the Year, Eric B. Enemy. You got Andy Reid, who could have been the Coach of the Year because of what he's done this year. And you got a team that is poised to make a run. I think there's going to be some big plays in this game. I think we're going to have an exciting Super Bowl. And let's just see how many times Tony Romo and Jim Nance bring up the age of, of Tom Brady. I think it will be probably be over under. I will give it eight times today. I think it will be eight times we will hear a 43-year-old. Unless it's at the end of the game and he's hoisting that trophy, we're going to hear it quite a bit. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I know that this is an exciting day. We should always have off on Mondays, but I know we don't. I want you all to be safe, mask up. Don't be hanging out too late with people that you don't know, but enjoy yourself. And just remember this, don't believe everything you see because even sugar looks like salt and salt looks like sugar. It's your boy Harbaugh Harge. I appreciate you. Peace.